0: Welcome to the Hidden Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove. And today we have a special guest where we're, we're going to have a conversation with Pastor Mario Nava. Um, pastor Mario has married to his beautiful bride, Irma. He's a father to Rebecca and Andrew, and he is the pastor leading at Living Faith Church here in San Antonio, Texas. And this church is an outreach-minded, uh, be the church kind of church, and his message is his messages are inspiring they're uplifting yet he also challenges and provokes people's thoughts within his message the word of god is brought out each week through this ministry in an easy under easy to understand way um without ever compromising biblical principles which is saying a lot nowadays pastor mario thank you for joining us today
1: yeah thank you pastor homer i'm honored um that you'd, you'd have me and uh just blessed to serve along you and the city here at San Antonio so i'm i'm glad i'm i'm on your program
0: great i'm glad to have you we, uh, when we first met um i remember uh, yeah. you, you told me that I, I made a comment years ago about how um i'm really funny and i, f- I feel like uh every time i'm uh, usually with you it's more of a serious tone so hopefully i get to <laughs> to prove that i actually am Uh, funny that I do have a a humor bone so uh, but let's go ahead and get started and uh, can you just share a little bit about kind of like your passion and what you do and why you do it Um, I you know I think like every
1: guy um, that plants a church you and and mine was uh, many years ago now in in 1998 but um, and it didn't seem like that long ago but time has a way of doing that you always want to say, hey, I'm going to do church different. And, um, and, you know, you try, I guess. But when you look back on it, you know, the, the introspective thing is to say, hey, we're kind of doing that the same way everyone else is. But um, there is a uniqueness, I guess, the, the, the passion that I've known about is that um, Jesus isn't, somebody that would just stay in a church um according to the gospels he was very um outreach minded thank god for his example of going to the synagogue that i see you know he even did miracles there but the majority of his his uh time uh that's recorded in the gospels with his disciples that they wrote about the first 10 accounts you know he was feeding people he was healing people um he was dialoguing outside. Well, they, they called him, you know, a friend of sinners, um, which, you know, was, a, of course, a, not a good thing to say back then, but it turned into a blessed thing for us to have here, um, that he's a friend uh, to people like me and my neighbors and, and people that don't go to church. And so I the the passion that I have has always been um, since we've planted the church, and even when I was a youth pastor, was let's get outside the four walls and really become the church you know and that sort of thing some sign sometimes we see those signs on the uh, driveway or in the exit signs of churches saying you're now entering the mission field I've seen those at some of the churches but that's really true Um, you're entering a mission field but the church is really happening on the outside of um, on the outside of your church and my church pastor homer so yep
0: Yep. that's you know that's such a, a powerful thing to say because I think that especially for a lot of young leaders, they envision that ministry for them starts the the miraculous day that maybe they get hired at a church or uh, maybe they they get uh, some type of position at a church. And I feel like even for me early on in leadership, um, there's this like this ideology that uh, hopefully one day I can really start doing ministry. Um, if the church would just let me. (laughs) And, uh, you know, what you're talking about, it's like you don't have to ask permission to do good. And this idea that so much ministry happens outside of the church and that here we are as pastors saying, oh, man, if only we could do more ministry outside of the church. (laughs) Well, you know, ministry in the church is our job. And we see uh, this idea that real powerful ministry happens outside of the walls of the very church we're leading. Um, I, I think that's so powerful. you know in in this process, one thing that you also said is uh, how at the beginning you had this mind that you're going to be different than every other church. And I feel yeah. like um, that's like the line of thinking that all of us have when we kind of first get our 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 stick of responsibility and that we want to make it special and you know i think that there's a mixture of you know our our ego in there but also there are desire to do something exponential with what god has given us we want to be good stewards and i think that one or two things happen people either get deflated and feel like what they're doing isn't working or um or they they almost have like this me against the world mentality and I feel like neither one of those things are you and how you, you, you literally helped lead um, a pastor's network that supports other pastors. And it, you're all about connection and, you know, you have such a genuine heart. So how do you avoid the, the these pitfalls of either developing an ego um, or developing a sense of me against the world mentality? That's a great question, man.
1: I, you I haven't been able to, honestly, I'm being real, uh, maybe a little bit tra- transparent here, but y- you do you do get those uh, points, but I think it's your walk with God, and um, I think Jesus gave us those examples, again, and the Bible, of um, men that got a little bit too much of themselves or thought too much of themselves and what they could do, um, and then they they fell, but Jesus re you know, reinstates, and Peter's a good example, of course, over and over, um, how he got, and even the Sons of Thunder, you know, they were, mom tried to promote them to be the the vice presidents of Jesus administration, right, uh, so um, they, they you know, they were, but the outcome was, you know, God used them, um, there was probably a, a breaking process, uh, so I, I, I think it's just, walking and then uh, realizing today am I full of pride, you know, and, and th- through the lens of God's word and uh, through the presence of God. Um, I, I remember one of our pastor groups, uh, Homer, you, I think it was just last week, you said something, I worship, you know, before I prepare on Sunday. And man, uh, when you worship God, or you, a song of faith touches you, man you realize God I'm really not worthy to do any of this but you you you've allowed me to and so the presence of God I think is the remedy um, to you know um, to uh, from rising from that so to speak if I can even say that to to minister and to God's people and yeah so it's I think it's when men. Um, I know it's this way because they write books about it after they fail. You know, the majority of them they they thought it was again. Um, they they there was no repentance in their life. Uh, there was no sorrow for sin. There was no fear of God. That's probably the best way to put it. And so, yeah, let's fear God. Not not that he's scary, of course, y'all know that, but that that he's he's with us. And that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yes, sir.
0: You know, I I hear the essence of like really to combat this superiority mindset is really yeah. humility, and that humility is found in the presence of God. And I think that what's what's interesting about that is that so many people, uh, you know, seasoned leaders and young leaders, I think that we often we hear that a lot, right? Like, uh prayer and worship helps humble our hearts, but I think that. It's almost like we uh, we don't fully grasp it. You know, we we hear prayer and like, yeah, yeah, I got that. Let's move on, though. Tell me how to be a, the best leader ever. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, I need humility now. Tell me how to rise to the top. And yeah. we we don't really fully appreciate how serious and how much longevity that comes from a humble heart and and pursuing God in ministry. And that even goes to the note of how how surprised I was. Of how easy it is to start neglecting your own yeah. personal devotion as a minister of God, and uh, there's like there were certain times in my life in my ministry to where I felt like I was, you know, having more devotion time before I ever became a minister. Be- it's like you get so um, yeah. easily overwhelmed and so easily busy to where you begin start to start only having devotion time because you're desperate for God to give you a message. <laughs> you just don't know what to talk about. You're like, all right, maybe I just should pray now. Maybe I'll finally pray because I don't know what to talk about. And I think that the essence of what you're saying is being in a state of, of humility kind of requires us to be in a state of God's presence and how that really just makes things simple for us. It makes us, it's simple for us to have, um, a ministry that lasts rather than one that rises and falls quickly, which I see a lot. There's a lot of young leaders that they start out and make it maybe two years and then they become a real estate agent. You know, they just just ready to bail out and it's just not what they expected. It was harder. And God called me somewhere else. And I think that there's a lot of young leaders that don't have to fall to the wayside if they were to better fully appreciate the power of prayer, devotion, and really just what it is to be a minister. That's not about being different than everybody else, but just really looking at who has God called you to be. Are you really called to you're not necessarily called to stand out, you're called to just reach people. Um and that's that's something really unique. And um I love yeah. that. In, in your process um of of being a pastor, could you kind of share a little bit of a story of of what that was like in the um maybe in the early stages of your leadership, what, what was that transition like for when you first realized that God has been calling you to a leader as a minister and what that, that stage was like for you? Um, went to Christ
1: for the nations, which is, um, a great school. It's in Dallas, Texas guys, probably many, many have heard about it. Um, before that, uh, as a teenager, uh, I wanted to be in ministry. Um, uh, I was kind of this nerd, um, yeah, even, uh, you know what I, I wore, I started wearing glasses like in my forties.
0: <laughs> so
1: get, get ready, man. No, no, you probably have, I, I think I inherited that from my dad, whatever, but anyway, I started wearing glasses in my forties. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I was just, uh, kind of backwards kid um overweight when i was a a teenager and um it really kind of would I, I think one of those kids you talked about um not standing out in high school just just that and i was a christian too but just um you know shy and uh but when i went to church which uh, was my like my club, my you know, instead of being part of the football team or whatever, that's what I did. I went to church. And and that's also probably some things, you know, you, your podcast is called, you know, hidden potential. Um just um I I think that was a place for me to hide, um, where I was accepted and and um we really didn't have a youth pastor back then in that, in that church I was in. Um, But I had a relationship with a pastor and he kind of, without knowing it, discipled me. Uh, I, I think I, how did it look like was um, just saying, man, I I really want to do what my pastor does. And if I could do that the rest of my life, um, it would be the, you know, the greatest honor of my life. And so, that that began the journey and you know of course they tell you you need to go to bible college which i think i have what i have um because i that was part of my 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 journey um i know guys that don't haven't gone and they're doing even better than i have or will ever have uh but uh i think it just it looked like you asked how it looked like was just um um God, I don't I really don't know what you're going to do next, but if you help me, I'll do it. So um, I would have loved to stay a youth pastor. Um, probably because I had so much fun at it. Um There was problems, of course, like there is with ministry. Uh, but I, but I love having fun still <laughs> um, and having joy in that. So um, it's, So I don't really see myself my age, I guess. Um, Other people do, I guess, the way they, you know, but, but but I don't know if that answered the question a little bit, or maybe I led a little bit more.
0: Yeah. No, that was great. And I I love how you described your, you know, a little bit about like, kind of like your adolescence in the sense that um, you didn't seem like one of the cool kids per se, and and here you are now, years later, it's where you are a leader in your church, you're pastoring people, people look to you for guidance and support, and to hear God's word. And I think that, just like you said, like not realizing the hidden potential within you, I think that as a lot of, uh, there's two sides of that, there's a lot of leaders who don't realize how, how much they could really make an impact, they, they disqualify themselves, um, because of, you know, this, that and the other. And then the other side of it is that there's a lot of young leaders who kind of like cherry pick people that they're willing to disciple. And mm-hmm. uh, especially a lot of youth ministers, a lot of youth pastors that end up trying to only disciple the cool kids. And it's, uh, there's, don't get me wrong, cool kids, you know, seem, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, cool kids. Uh, they they need, you know, just as much love support. And, and oftentimes uh, uh, there's the reason that they have such a more social uh, personal traits is sometimes because they've had to because their home life is so neglectful that they had to stand out and they had to learn that early. But I think that there's so many seemingly ordinary kids that get looked over. That'd be amazing leaders. They'd be they'd be so receptive to what you would pour into them, but so many leaders are, are looking for that influential kid, the the one that would they think would bring a bunch of other kids. And to know that there's some times where you just need to you're planting a seed to grow in the long run You're you know, um, yeah. if I were to uh, one one thing that's been on my heart lately is like the thought of, you know, the end times. <laughs> it's like every day seems like it's closer where I'm like, yeah. God, just in case, like, please <laughs> the, like, turn the <laughs> bus around for me if you if you forget me. <laughs> but it, it's it's like, uh, I have more and more on my thought that, God, I want to see the people in my church in heaven. I want to see the people that I minister to in heaven. And to where it's not just like, oh, I want to grow, you know, like, oh, they gave their life to Christ. Like, I'm, I am have this genuine realization that people will be in heaven with me that I, like, if I minister, if I am a proper minister, you know, if I do the work I'm supposed to do in this heart cry that, I want to see these people saved in in heaven with me. And to know that like when you're a minister and you're planting these seeds to think along that mindset, am I just in a sense like looking for short term results to where uh, we created a fun atmosphere and it was like I could say that it was a successful event, but am I bringing anyone closer to heaven with me? You know that that's a powerful thing. And I, I think that you are a perfect example of of someone that was discipled and poured into in a way that may have seemed like, you know, is just like, oh well, you know, I feel bad for this kid. <laughs> but you know, God knows that those little seeds were, were were planted in such good soil to where you're this pastor yourself that it was good um, good fruitfulness. So I think that's really powerful. Today's episode is brought to you by Grave Top Designs online store. Visit gravetopdesigns.com forward slash shop to find custom made Christian clothing that's edgy and actually looks good. I crafted all of the designs myself, so I'd love to hear your feedback and tell me what you think. Share your next purchase on Instagram and tag Gravetop Top Designs for a chance to get 10% off your next order. Shop today. Help support this channel again that's gravetopdesigns.com forward slash shop now that uh, you've been in in ministry for seemingly it seems like the majority of your life what would you say has been one of your greatest obstacles when it comes to ministry
1: um that's easy myself (laughs) just uh (laughs) get in the way of yourself um just uh you know, your, um, the inner battles that we have, you know, again, hidden things, but they are potentials that you struggle with. And, um, just, you know, your self-esteem, it, it, it can take a beating in anything you do being a plumber electrician, but as a pastor, you know, you rely on, a because you communicate and people communicate back with you, you know, you can get, you can get beat up. Um, and then it affects, everything. Thank God for, a, you know, my wife's not perfect, but she almost is. <laughs> and, um, just that, that, uh, a home will help, you know, heal you. And of course the presence of God, but, but, um, thank God. I, I, I just think, you know, yourself, um, we, uh, the obstacles of just getting over, um, uh, not being sure of yourself at times and, uh, checking yourself or god can i really do this or um again it's it is faith and you just you 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 go into the unknown at ta- at times with the uh, challenges and god you need to help me and i uh, when you look back on it because obstacles are, are faced and they're always present if you're if you're doing ministry and you're doing something worthwhile you're going to have to um look back at god's faithfulness like god you help me in the past and you'll help me now. Yeah. so It's
0: so powerful. And, you know, I feel like, uh, I think that every person I've had on this show has, has described this type of imposter syndrome, this insecurity, (laughs) and to know that like, we all got it, but we all feel like we're the only ones that we're the only ones, (laughs) you know, that are secretly incapable of doing what we're doing. And, to, to mm-hmm. know that this is this consistent fear within our nature and that yet despite our fears god has called us and that to for you to say that after all this time your greatest obstacle is really overcoming yourself and overcoming that that those doubts and those fears those those uh things that you feel like hold you back and to know that here you are now still standing in that the that all the while your the your your biggest enemy can be yourself sometimes um yeah. i think that's a, a really really great thing for people to identify within themselves and i think that even that that tone of imposter syndrome i feel like it often comes when we are trying to do something greater than what that than normal we're, we're trying to break out of that mediocrity and whenever you if you don't ever feel the imposter syndrome perhaps it's because you're not reaching far enough you're, you're in a place where you're too comfortable um i remember there's a time where uh i i had like self-reflection and i was i realized that when i was you know grinding on the streets driving being a pastor and gr- uh, driving for uber and lyft um there'd be times where i felt more comfortable in the car with a bunch of drunk people than i did at a at the table with a bunch of pastors and yeah. I, I reflected on that why is it that I feel more comfortable why do I feel uneasy around pastors and it wasn't because uh, the pastors were judgmental or um mean or anything like that I realized that it was because when I was sitting with a group of pastors and being the youngest one there that I felt that insecurity that imposter syndrome that I was doing something greater than what I felt like I was qualified for but when I was in a Car full of you know some people I just picked up from the bars. Like, well, I've, I've, I've here. <laughs> I I yeah, I seem pretty level headed here. I seem like I got it together. I and it, I think that it really shows that when we are not in those um, uncomfortable spaces, that it's perhaps because we're afraid of of what growth looks like. That we're we're afraid that we can't, um, that we don't have it in us to grow. And it's simply not true. It's it's that stretching process. Um, yeah. so. Going from there, I asked you about what your greatest obstacle is, uh, has been. What would you say is something that you're most proud of? You know, you spoke
1: just a moment ago about grinding, and um, there were those years where I was bivocational. The church, of course, you know, grew, but it it was there was a point where I was, you know, um, trying to feed two two children. <laughs> And uh, and then you know uh, make a, make a, make payments on our home and that sort of thing and so um, yeah so I think when it, just that accomplishment of being bivocational vocational and um, and working I, I do think it did I look back and I go man did that cause some damage on me now in the sense of um uh my physical health um and there's some things I think you pay for in ministry because you um if you want to do it so bad um you you kind of stay afloat on the water by dog paddling as much as you can and um and I know those moments and, and kind of I guess that that's what I'm if if I'm gonna boast, like it's man, I made it it in that sense now, is there still survival time that keeps you hungry and keeps you like i guess training if that's the right way in a in a in a in a way spiritually and staying hungry yeah, um and, and I think if that ever went away, like I made it and arrived, and you don't stay hungry, then you then you really you're very easy to get picked off um and you're, you're you could be a casualty pretty quick so um yeah i think the the aspect of just staying hungry and um and uh, accomplishing things uh that that you do when you're burning at both ends yeah, yeah. i remember I, one last thing on that i remember that for a few Saturday nights because I worked all week and didn't really have time to prepare for Sunday mornings. And it wasn't all the time, but to carve out some time to prepare. I remember staying up all night on Saturday through Sunday morning and then just going, um, from, you know, my desk to, to the church. And, um, of course I was wiped out after church, Um, even as a younger guy, but um, yeah, there were those moments. And um, sometimes I need to have compassion, I think, for guys that are, that I see, um, well, like I can't do that or I'm not, you know, and maybe they're in their twenties, you know, um, but I don't want to also, Hey, I did it. You can do it. You can stay up all night, get it done. (laughs) There's no reason why. And and they're volunteering at the church. (laughs) So that's a, A heartless person like myself but um just thank god for that
0: yeah i I think that what you're describing is really powerful and the i feel like part of the aspect of how you're saying um of like burning burning at two ends being bivocational um i feel like for me those are the times where i thought about quitting the most is when um, i remember talking to a mentor and you know him asking how things were going and just like well I feel like if I wasn't worried about money, I'd really enjoy what I was doing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I feel like it, yeah. it's almost like to be most proud of is like, in a sense, being proud that you didn't quit and it, yeah. in the moments yeah. that you really wanted to. And I think that so many people, especially starting out in ministry, i I know I was. I was totally surprised by how just how hard it was. um and in the moments where you feel like, well, I'm like, shouldn't God be providing? <laughs> Isn't this part of the deal? And then you hear, yeah. you know, like prosperity gospel messages, is like, well, if it's God's vision, he'll give the provision. And you're like, well, I guess God didn't <laughs> call me. It's like, it can feel so confusing and to kind of throw out all of the noise and realize that it just can be that hard. And that one day if you don't give up, it'll be the most proudest thing you have knowing that you didn't quit when times were tough. And it's a lot like a marriage, how funny it is that, you know, God consistently relates it to his relationship with us as a marriage in the church. And, you know, there's times in marriage, I've been married now 11 years, which, you know, is a fraction for some people and, and a miracle for others. But it to know that there's times where like, I would have never thought at three years married that we would ever have a hard time. (laughs) And now at 11 years, I'm like, Oh, (laughs) okay. That you can actually, you can actually get under each other's skin. And this could actually (laughs) be hard and, and really learning how to commit even despite it being difficult committing, despite that it's not um, everything that you thought it was and that you didn't anticipate certain struggles and then at the end of it, you're like, wow, I'm so glad that we're still married. I'm so glad I'm still in this. It's the best gift I ever have. Um, I think that's that's so powerful. And when it comes to, I think that you're right, though, when it comes to young leaders and um, there being, uh, there's, there's, I, I think that's, I think it's uh, not just our generation or this coming generation when it comes to the the hesitancy to hard work. Um, like millennials, there's some millennials that seem like they're uh, generation X to where they work hard, they like over-exasperate mm-hmm. themselves, take on too much, they, you know, uh, bite on too much. And and then there's some where they're, you know, 35 years old and their mom is still paying their insurance bill. You know, it's it's like mm-hmm. there's both sides, but um, to to I think that a lot of young leaders need to know that it's going to be hard. And I think that one thing that my heart was like within this podcast is to be kind of like a bridge between starting out and being seasoned. And I feel like there's a lot of leadership uh, uh, lessons and podcasts available for like a seasoned leader who's been in it for several years. And you'll hear things on a seasoned leadership podcast like um, you have to know when to rest. And being a minister now for 13 years and having three kids and being married, I, I get it now. I understand that. Like, if I don't rest, it affects my family. It affects my marriage. It, it it's like, you, you just, it's different when I was in my, you know, when I was 20 years old, though, I didn't really need to rest. It, it's when I was just, when I was single, you don't really like that doesn't, yeah. it's not as apl- uh, applicable. Um, You know, even when I was married is like, you know, there's some to some extent, but it's like, you're so even married, you have so much flexibility without kids. It's like, uh, I think that a lot of young aspiring leaders really do need to get the aspect that if you want it to work, it's going to take hard work. And it's not going to just miraculously (laughs) be successful for you, you're going to have to put in some grit. And I think that I, I truly think that a lot of leaders just young leaders, think that it will be easier and that God is just will give them favor and grace and like, yeah, but it's still going to be really hard. It's still yeah, yeah. It, you. any success you do have will be a miracle, <laughs> but you st- give that still, you're still going to have to really work hard at it. Um So I think that that's a really powerful aspect that you're sharing that young leaders really need to grasp, you know, speaking on that, when let's, let's take an idea of a, a young a young aspiring leader who's um, maybe they're just starting out. They're kind of dipping their toes in leadership and they have this ambition inside of themselves. What characteristics or skills would you suggest for that kind of person to be able to move ahead?
1: Uh, I think um, stay submitted. um, Try if you can to find a Moses if you're a Joshua, and I'm, you know, using biblical stuff here with the, the Old Testament, uh, you know, if you're, um, if if you're a John, Mark, you know, find a Paul, a Timothy, but the, the and that's hard to do. I'll be honest with you. Um, a, a wise man told me, an older man, he said, you know, um, hey, I'm going to go back home. I told him because I was being prepared for ministry, and there is no um there's no moses for me you know so and, and he told me something he said well then you become the moses uh become that man that people can look at so i've always that was planted in my heart when i was like 21 um and i, I never forgot that uh if it can be perfect i think young men um i know young men because i i desired that so i wanted a father in the Lord, um, I know this might open up for some broader things, but try to find that. And then I, I know guys that go to mega churches because they love the maybe the singles group or the young adult group, and there's lots of girls there also, whether it be a smaller church. <laughs> um, and I I actually, my wife, I found her in a mega church because I went to that big group, the the college and career group. Uh, and thank God, um, but I, I I I knew I wasn't going to have a relationship with the pastor because he had, you know, five thousand sheep or whatever, and um, uh, I got to know him a little bit, but there was never any one-on-one. Uh, um, the first church that I served at, where I got paid as a youth pastor, um, when I interviewed, uh, you know, he was asking me. He said, "Do you have any questions for me?" And the only thing I asked him was, and he always remembered it. Um, cuz he still told told me until the day he went to be with in heaven um he said you know I, I was the only one that asked him out of all the um, potential youth pastors and I I, I was the one that got hired thank god um he said um I asked him would you, are you, would you pray with me on a regular basis and um he of course he said yes um what if what, he said no um and i needed to be real honest he, I don't remember him really praying with me a lot. There were times, but it wasn't like intentional. If I can, um, so yeah, uh, I think it, it, it as a young minister or, or to be in ministry, my best advice is find somebody that will, and it, maybe it won't be a pastor, maybe it will be a deacon, an elder, your small group leader, you know, that sort of thing, but, um, And get humble enough that you don't know it all, so you can receive from that person. You'll be surprised who mentors you in life after you've lived um, almost sixty years. Well, that guy that was a a backward guy, but maybe he had a great worth ethic, and he he um, he still loved God. He poured into your life, so um, so that it's surprising to think back on your life on how many people have. um, um, loved you, um, and um, been an example on even, um, hey, this is how you should really dress. Or this is how, uh, you know, little things, uh, present yourself as a man, um, besides your own earthly father, but ministry something a little bit different if your father was never in ministry. That's another yeah. issue, but I, I hope that answered that one, man. I, I'm not yeah, sure. That-
0: That's great. And I think that finding a mentor is pivotal in someone's growth within leadership. And especially when, I mean, when you realize that you just don't know what you don't know and Mm -hmm. that you're it's like a combination of things. It's, it's being able to uh, avoid certain pitfalls. Um, It's also able to uh, lean on somebody when times are tough, it's so much easier to go through a struggle when you have someone that you're able to go to. I mean, even like just talking about the problems that you're facing in ministry and have somebody to where you're talking to someone and they actually understand what you're going through. Um, that's, it's encouraging. And I think that, that it's one of the most, um, under, uh, 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 it's just not given enough credit for uh, when it comes to finding a mentor, it really does help. Uh, it catapults your growth forward because it, it's in a sense that they're they're giving you tips that they had to learn through experience, and they're giving them to you for free. It does. It's not going to cost you time or your own experience. They're they're helping you to where everything that you learn after that will be, you know, is a an addition to what they try to teach you. And especially, it's like if you're running into problems that you don't know how to solve. And they've already experienced that problem. It's like having a, a math tutor and you're trying to work out this equation. And they say, oh no, that's not the right way to do it. The answer is this. And you're like, if you were to say, no, 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 I, I can do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna just do the whole equation myself. And they're like, I, it's wrong though. <laughs> you're, you got the wrong answer. It's You're doing it the wrong way. It, it would be just silly and, and foolish to try to do it anyway, even though someone is telling you that's the wrong answer, and I think that a lot of times we do that to try to prove ourselves. Um, when there's just a lot of cases where it's like maybe you should just take the advice. Um, and and uh, I I just really really uh, appreciate how you said that. Um, now, when it comes to uh, where you're at now and where you started out at, what would you say is one question that you wished you would have asked earlier? <laughs>
1: Um, do you really need a building, um, to do ministry, um, and, and my hope was they would have said, you don't, uh, but the sooner that you can get one, um, it would, it would help you, um, and I probably didn't do it in the right order, um, once you can get a base, a hub, um, however, that looks even if it's um, uh, uh, it's tough renting schools and uh, auditoriums like um, and you're setting up because that will wear on anyone. Um, you gotta have a a massive amount of people. Um, I've known church planners that I really admire because they've taken teams into cities, and the pastor, you know, sends them out again. Larger churches usually they want to establish, you know, Sunnyside you know, Baptist Church and, um, you know, in Dallas or, you know, Austin. And so yeah. they sent. you know, man, I, I'm amazed that I, I love that example. But um, a, lot, a lot of those guys, too, and you probably know this, Pastor Homer, um, they don't, you wonder what happened, you know, because they're off the map now. Um, it didn't make it. Um, so uh, I think that would be the one of the things, if you can get somewhere where your stuff is there, you're you're freed up a lot more to think about it. Um that's I don't think you see church planners in their sixties, um because the energy, the physical, um that it takes to establish that. And then um I think I should have asked the questions also, what what is really what did Jesus mean by going making disciples? Um the sooner that I would have gotten after that. The, I think the healthier my church would be now and in the years to come. Don't wait to disciple as much as it's hard. Um, get There are tons of programs out there. No one, Everyone's going to do discipleship differently, I feel, but there should still be the main thing that Jesus said, disciples that make disciples. Um, get that intentionality out there and try to, at the beginning, uh, let it be inbred within you. So you transpose that onto your church. And it's one of the, the core things that you do make disciples that make disciples. Um, we're, we're not doing it, um, anywhere near that Jesus said and what he did, but we're trying. And, um, probably 10 years ago, 20 years ago, um, it was just something that, I wasn't doing as much as I'm saying, well, um, I get encouraged by people in my church by saying, they say this to me, you weren't intentional by making disciples, but you still did it. Yeah. You, you, you do that, but there should be something else that you're actually meeting with a group of people and their purpose is to be discipled. And again, you're being discipled by Jesus. There should be, there's probably always going to be a leader, but, um, when they can start reproducing themselves, it's pretty an amazing thing to watch. Um, but that's that's what I would do.
0: You know that that's a really powerful testimony too, because I think that especially just starting out, we're more so looking at um, like the fruit in the sense of what are we going to eat today? <laughs> what, yeah. what who can I bring to Christ today? Who can I bring to the service today? And making disciples is beyond just what am I going to eat today and what am I going to plant for for later, and it, it's this idea that you are d- making disciples is is really planting seeds to to grow orchards rather than just going out and looking for some fruit to eat today. And it's yes, it's wow. the the idea of longevity for ministry, um, and and I like what you said at uh, the, the the first part of do you really need a building and being, I mean, I'm in a unique position where I still don't have our own building for our church. We, we just rinse out anybody that uh, lets us, whether it's a bar or a dance studio, you know, we, we willing willing to go anywhere, but even just um, realizing that you can make ministry as gritty as you need it to be. And and that yeah. um, there's, you know, there's some churches that still meet outside that like they legit meet outside. And I mean, to me, that that's like, well dang like they people (laughs) they got people going in the heat they they got people out there in the elements (laughs) and so to know that, that you that you can make ministry happen anywhere that you don't have to limit it to the the traditional sense or the idea of even if it's not in a church i mean even just so many i've heard of a, a a minister that started a twitch channel for a video gaming streaming channel wow. and pretty much started a church that way to where people are literally you know tuning in just to hear his message and stuff and he ended up raising money to plant a physical <laughs> church through his virtual uh streaming it, it's it's the wow. the opportunities are seemingly limitless when you yeah. add the power of god to it and I think that's a it's a really powerful component for people to take off the the limits of what has always been done, of of what you think it has to be, and allow yourself to be flexible, especially early on in leader uh, in your leadership, early on in ministry. Allow yourself to be flexible. Don't try to be like the mega church when when you got ten people going to your church. Just allow yourself to be flexible to be where you're at. I, th- I think that's great advice. um, let me ask you one final question, and that is what is the greatest change that you've made as a leader? Mm, i think
1: um it and it, it was I didn't do it. I did it because my marriage grew, and um you know um everyone wants to be no one plans on getting divorced um you know I've heard that once said, but you know people do um, and so um, I'm celebrating like over thirty years of being married to to my bride, um, which is amazing to me. I never thought i'd I, you just don't think about that, you know, when you're married two or three years or um, the so the greatest change, probably that I saw that was organic was my wife um. Becoming a a leader alongside of me. Um, She worked um, because of, you know, we had to, we, we, we both worked like many, many couples do in our, in our culture. So I think the greatest uh, change that has happened is that um, my wife came alongside of me in her time, in her way, and now she's a great leader. Uh, with me in my church, and it's really grown our church more. Um, it, you envision sometimes pastors' wives to be this way, or you know, not everyone's going to play the piano or be able to sing. You know, a pastor's wife, um, the old model, or whatever it might be. But um, when you're when your um, wife can love the church as much as you and that's because you love her instead of the church more, <laughs> um, you, you heard that thing, um, you the church has become a mistress to many men, mm-hmm. um, and, and so I think loving my wife, um, properly, not, not perfect, I, I can't write a book on it, can't do a marriage <laughs> seminar on it, but, um, but that, that whole change is, um, really been something I'm beholding, like, man, God, look what you've done through my wife. Um, look what you're doing through our church because of our leadership. so wow. yeah <laughs>
0: that, that that's a a powerful testimony and um I think that you're right in the sense that a lot of um I think it's it's not even always as much of a leader's desire for people to be saved as it much as it is truly one's ambition to grow the church and to, Mm -hmm. um, stand out. And I think that we, we label it as, Oh, i just care about the loss, but deep down it's you, you want that, that ambitious desire and there's nothing wrong per se with that desire, but don't discredit the reality. Don't, don't, uh, don't falsely, uh, live this this lie that you're doing it for the church when you're really doing it for yourself and you're putting your wife on the back burner in the process and yeah. to to realize that uh, here you are 30 years married and the, the greatest change in ministry was was uh, how was really the change in how you saw your wife through it and I think that's a powerful testimony powerful example and uh, I think that there's a lot of young leaders that Will either pursue one or the other, but to, they'll either um bail on ministry to go uh pursue their girlfriend, <laughs> or they'll uh, bail sure. on their wife to pursue the 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 ambition in church, and yeah. to realize that you if you allow that relationship to be special um to where it marriage truly is like you're you're joining together two lives what I do you do, and and allow it to flourish um i i find that that same respect that i my wife is labeled as co-pastor of the church mm-hmm. and i've had people leave the church over that <laughs> they, didn't, they said well uh, we don't like how she's uh, labeled co-pastor Once said well that's never going to change so you might as well go <laughs> yeah. and yeah good. And, it, and uh you know it's so life-giving for that she is not just the pastor's wife that she's a a a vital leader within the church that that many people are able to go to and she gives a type of um compassion that i'm just not able to give and and in, in the same way that we complete ourselves for our children um, I I'm dad and she's mom. It, it's, I, I think that there's a unique part of church to where it's able to be like that as well. Um, so yeah. I, I love how the better you treated your marriage, the better your ministry got. I think that's super yeah. powerful. Um, yeah. as we wrap things up today, Pastor Mario, um, where could people connect with you? Maybe they uh, even here in San Antonio, or maybe they're listening online and they want to check out your church or connect with you. How can they do that?
1: Yeah, our website's uh, livingfaithsa.org livingfaithsa San Antonio, or just org, And you can find everything there that you need from, from hearing us and what we want to, what our vision is, our values, and what we believe. And um, so, yeah, that, that's probably the best place. Um, can I say one more thing uh, yeah, of about course. other things? Hey uh I just hearing you speak Pastor Homer um uh, you can edit this out if you want to <laughs> but um you're such an encourager it's like within you and um um you uh, again I'm I'm blessed and I do remember the fir- first time I met you we were at this buffet place um we were talking about man up which is coming up and that that's but um I I asked you I said you, you no you were just talking and I noticed you right away cuz you were you're, you you had a little uh, like a dry sense of humor but you were funny um and um kind of like the guy in the back of the classroom cutting up <laughs> was making everybody <laughs> laugh but uh um uh, again this was probably maybe five eight years ago I don't know how long ago but um you you mentioned um which I still remember um that you wanted to be like a you, you thought about being a stand-up comic. Now, if I'm getting this wrong, but when you told your wife that, hey, I'll, I'm thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, comic, she actually said without missing a beat or without laughing, said, "Are you, you're still going to keep your regular job, though, aren't you? <laughs> and uh, I just thought that was so good. And then I love the uniqueness of your church name. Um, I know that there's a story behind it, but Grave Top. And so uh, I'm just blessed that that we're um, we sit at the same table um, at, almost at a weekly basis. And uh, we're learning at the feet of Jesus, so to speak. And so I'm grateful for your leadership also, sir.
0: Um, well, that means so much, Pastor Mario. I really appreciate uh, you saying all that. And and no, I'm not going to cut out. People should hear that, right? <laughs> and I, I really do. I really do appreciate you. And, and thank you for being on our show today. Um, it, uh, all that being said, uh, those of y'all listening, um, could y'all do me a favor? Could y'all uh, leave a rating and review for this podcast it help me out to help others be able to see the show. Um, and until next time, have a great life.